Hi, I'm Tim Tarpley. This is my podcast, Level Up. Over the last several years, I was able to transform my life. I decided to share my journey in hopes of helping other people. So here we go. Welcome back, guys. This is my race recap edition. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on whatever service you provide or prefer, welcome. I'm glad to have you. I know I say I'm going to be more consistent, but man, last few weeks have been very, very tough because I was... Going into a race and then having to, you know, get ready for that and just kind of do everything necessary. I just figured out something. Okay. Um, so I just, uh, it's been a couple weeks since Ironman Arizona. And, um, you know, I drove out there to compete in it. Had a, lots of races this year that didn't quite go as planned, but um, let me just start off by saying to everyone right here, right now, that I understand it's not considered a legit finish, right? I get that. Iron Man, you have 17 hours to finish your race. They normally start at 7 in the morning. You have till midnight. 17 hours, no fans or butts. For some reason, this race, they gave you 16 hours and 40 minutes, which says 20 minutes less than normal. And that should be okay, right? So I know my time, everything was over, but I still did the 140 miles, 0.6, on my own, no assistance. And so I'm more proud of that. Um, but I understand... As far as the books go, it doesn't count. And that's okay. Like, I'm still super happy with it. I'm, like, not dejected. Um, so, anyway. Um, but, you know, I, I've been to this race so many times. I've, I've attempted it myself many years ago. And then I've taken athletes, so many athletes there that I coached. It's just a very easy venue to figure out, to spectate, to coach, to race. Um it's just one of my favorite. And there's just something magical about the desert. Okay. Um, the weather was going to be perfect. And it's just one of those things I was very excited. Um, it's about a 15 hour drive. I've, I think I've flown out there one time and I've driven out there probably four or five. So the drive is fairly easy if nothing it's it's boring um and normally what we do is you know we leave here we drive about 10 hours which puts us around las cruces new mexico stay the night and then that gives about six hours the next day to to go on in um we had a little traffic but that was about it and uh you know did that stayed in las cruces um stayed at a hotel and then um at the got to the got to the um sorry i have some notes here because i actually did write this stuff down so i didn't miss anything um but the goal was to get in packet pickup i think started i want to say start around two it was a weird time but it, it packet pickup started um goal was to get into tempe around two o'clock get my packet go check in the hotel check-in was until three that's right so i want to get there get my packet then go check in then go to the store if we need to, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, we were probably off schedule just a little bit. Um, and I've also learned, you know, you don't go to these races by yourself. You got to have someone else there to either help you scoop you back up off the payment, put you in a car, you know, whatever. Right. And so I did take my friend with me and, uh, you know, we 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 shared the driving, uh, which made it easy packing things like that um 
Now, my favorite hotel when I'm racing, or whenever I need the room, is the Home Two Suites. Right? You got. I love those. Small kitchen, big area, and then the thing is, when you're going for a race like this, you always want to try to get the accessible, the handicap accessible room because it's it's got more room, and so you can put your bike, you can put all your gear in certain areas. Coming back, you don't need that room, but you've got to have all that room to um, to just spread your stuff out and get ready, you know. Um, now, like I said, I attempted this race years before. So 2008, I attempted this race and uh, I got sick. Like it was it was just I've gotten sick so many times that I've kind of now narrowed that down to what that is. But I got sick and about mile 80, about six miles into that last loop i just couldn't move anymore and i got brought back in and taken to medical so that was my last chance to race that race i've attempted many others but it's one of those things i knew like i said what caused this um and so i i had hoped to you know figure that out but um you know got to the hotel and got checked in had dinner and then i i um I took a sleep gummy, which was amazing. It's got the CBN, the CBD, the melatonin. Like, it's got all that stuff in there that really helps you stay asleep through the night. And I want to say I slept like 9 or 10 hours Thursday night. Now, with a race like this, you know, the race is Sunday. The most important night of sleep is not Saturday night. It's actually Friday or even Thursday. And so you want to do what it takes to do that. So Friday, I had no intention of getting up early or any certain time. All I really had to do was kind of start getting my stuff organized. All my stuff was there. I over, you know, packed when you're able to throw it in your car and go. And so that's what I did is I just kind of overpacked. So I had all of my stuff um, and just kind of made sure everything was working. I did change both of my tires and tubes on Friday. Um, I rode it Saturday morning to make sure everything was working you know, charge my batteries because I've got electronic shifting, you know, just kind of got all those little things dialed in and, um, you know, check to make sure nothing was loose or going to be a problem. Got my stickers on my bike and just got everything ready. Um, and then we headed over. I think we had lunch, headed over to a meeting. And the biggest thing in the meeting is I want to make sure I was going to be able to wear my neoprene booties on my feet. The water's always cold-ish. And that was my only thing is make sure it was going to be cold enough. And the water was just right around 60 degrees consistently. And so I knew it was probably going to be legal. They made the announcement it was going to be legal. They kind of went through how the race would go, which it again, it made sense to me. It's a super easy venue. Um, and I was just very calm about everything. You know, I, I don't really if I get nervous about a race, I get nervous like those moments right before the swim start, you know, like that's the only time I, I will worry the day before I don't worry about it. I've done all my stuff, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of how, you know, and Friday had a great vegan dinner. Like it's just, everything was just lining up perfectly. And, and I could just feel the energy, you know, my vibe was good. The energy is good. Like everything was just flowing in a very perfect, uh, harmonious way. Um, and then, you know, Saturday I, I did try to sleep in, I got good sleep again and, um, you know, I just wanted to ride my bike, make sure everything was working properly before I put it in my car and, you know, tore out. And then, uh, you know, Saturday you drop everything off, you drop off your bike, you drop off your bags, your bike bag, your, your run bag those things you drop off on saturday and then your special i don't know what we call them we used to call them special needs but it's not called that now special items i don't know then anyway, those two bags are your halfway point bags of the run and the bike and they can be anything you want you drop those off race morning those help replenish the items you've used or might want to need you know um and and so you know, once you drop all that stuff off, it's now pretty much a done deal. I think we went and picked up food, took it back to the hotel. It's it's kind of a blur because everything was just very uneventful. 
Um, and I just laid around, you know, I just laid around and tried to relax and feel as good as I could physically. Um, I'd had some issues with like a lat, my left lat was, was bothering me quite a bit for a few months before, but it seemed to really kind of loosen up. And Friday when I was at the expo, the, uh, there was like a, one of the sponsored, uh, doctor's offices. He was a sports guy, sports Cairo guy, but he worked on my lat one more time. It was seemed to really push it over the edge. Um, got some incredible CBD roll on, um, stuff that helped really loosen up and, and make, uh, things pain-free. And that was like, that was about it on my Saturday, you know, and it was just, it was just an easy day, you know, and I'd started going over this race in my head and, and so here was my plan, you know, and my plan was if, so the race starts at 650 for the age groupers you're getting in line but i wanted to be as close i could towards the front of that just to give myself a little bit more time and you know if i'm up there with the fastest swimmers they're going to swim away and leave me but if i'm in the back with the slower people well then i'm now having to fight through people who don't swim as well as me so so many people mess up with that um and so i was up there pretty fun i i you know, it was 6.50-ish. I was going to be in line and get in water as quick as possible. So transition opened at 5. So I had to check on my bike, drop off my stuff, you know. And so my plan was, you know, get up early Sunday and then just make sure everything gets to where it's supposed to go. But that that's all I really needed to do was show up with my stuff I needed and kind of go from there. Um, and so Sunday, make sure I... Look at my notes here, because I don't want to miss a thing. So here is what I did. So Sunday, I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and transition opened at 5. My goal is to be parked in the parking garage at 5, so that then I still had time to sit there, you know, remove all that nervous traffic energy, and got up at 2 o'clock. I meditated had my coffee, made my poopies. You know, like these things are all very, very, very important. Poopies being the most important. But during my meditation that morning, the focus on the meditation was gratitude. And I thought, I mean, it just really sunk in kind of at the right moment, the right spot. And I was like, whoa, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to look at this day. And then... um Friday, no, Saturday, my coach, Jen, had left me um, left me a voice message. And, you know, it was like, there's only one way to eat an elephant. That's one bite at a time. So it's easy to, you know, when you're in a swim and things are rough, to think about, oh, my God, the bike or the run. How am I going to make it? Blah, blah, blah. Whereas you just have to think about right now and then just what writes in, what's right in front of you. And... That is really the only attitude someone should have in a race like this. And so I, you know, that I took that information. And I just put it back here. I'm going to use that as I need to in the back of my mind, you know, and pull it out as I need to. So I got a bit, you know, like I said, I got up at two o'clock in the morning, took care of all my stuff, had plenty of time because we're going to leave about 430 ish to drive over. Um, so I had my breakfast around four or as late as I possibly could, because I'm not going to be starting till around seven. So I need to not be more than three hours, but kind of be right in that, that perfect window. And my breakfast just about every day is a, is an organic sweet potato, rice, a little bit of spinach, sometimes vegan meatballs. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of just my go-to breakfast on a regular basis. I have it when I'm not racing, not training. Like, I just love that as my breakfast. It's very easy on my system, and I need that, you know? And so I had that, I think. It's hard to remember. Um, and we get there, and there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of closed roads that are closed really early. We had a little bit of traffic. Probably was parked. My guess was about 5.15, so I'm only a few minutes behind schedule. Still plenty of time to do everything I got to do. Transition closes about 6.30, so, so you just want to make sure you're 
you're done with all that stuff at that time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, you know, I'm parked, I'm settled. It's, it's good. And, um, was able to park in the same area of the parking garage. I've been parking the last couple of days. So this is all very simple. Got my two bags. I'm bundled up. And it's just, you know, the air is right about 48, not quite 50 yet. It's, it's chilly air. And, you know, in the desert like that, when it gets cold, it's cold. When the sun comes up, it warms up. It's just kind of this perfect ebb and flow of the, the weather, unlike here where it gets very, very, very hot and very, very, very no comfortable in between you know um and so now for my swim like i haven't bought i bought more wetsuits this year than i've bought my whole 20 something year career as a triathlete right so i've really been focused on dialing everything in that i was going to need perfectly um so i had brand new magic five goggles which i saw an ad anything on facebook or something i got them I got the indoor and the outdoor. The indoor were amazing. The outdoor, I tried them one time in the pool and they were just as good. So I hadn't really tried them outside. Um, so I had these new goggles that that were just amazing. I normally use earplugs in my ears, especially when the water's cold or the air is cold. Because if you got water in your ears and you hit that cold air on the bike, it can give you this crazy headache or make you feel dizzy or, you know, all kinds of weird things. Uh, my wetsuit was a brand new wetsuit. I, I swam in it just for a tiny bit during uh, a pool swim. And it was, you know, best of the best of their wetsuit. It's a Roka. It's, it was amazing. It was very warm. Uh, but this friend of mine, uh, he said, you know, well, don't wear a, a shirt underneath. It's too much stuff. Like you don't need to wear like a rash guard or anything. I was like, well, I never really thought of that. I don't, I'm doing a complete change after the swim. I'm putting on dry clothes. So I'm not wearing wet clothes freezing. And so I was like, yeah, why am I wearing a shirt? So I swam without a shirt and I've never done that before. And it worked perfectly. Uh, these goggles did not leak, did not fog up. And they were very comfortable. The only thing I was not fully aware of was how it makes people's skin look like it looked green when i would see people um but i i got in the water about 705 is when i started and it everything seemed fine and i got in i started swimming it felt good and then something hit me and it was like holy shit this water is cold now seconds before stepping in i thought to myself they said that water temperature is 60 degrees. The air is not quite 50. There's a big 10 degree, more than 10 degree difference. Why is there not fog or steam coming off the water? Because I've been to plenty of races where it was colder air, warmer water, and there's a layer of fog that comes up from the water. And I thought, what? That's weird. There's not that here. So we're either something different going on science wise or there is actually uh, a closer um degree of temperature between and that water was cold that water in my opinion was not 60 it was cold um so i swam and as soon as i i felt good but my face all of a sudden just hurt my hands hurt i stopped the, the very first kayak and i was like oh my god this is so cold and all i could do was just try to focus and just you know move a little bit but i was like this is unbelievable uh and then i would just try to go again and there'd be another kind of like i just could not get a rhythm it wasn't taking my breath away because i was able to kind of have control of that it's just my face physically hurt from the cold and my my hands hurt so bad um so i just had to kind of do that limp around limp around i was over probably i was over a mile before i kind of felt like i was in more of a rhythm and could actually swim further and more but you're forced to breaststroke a little bit just because it was cold um and then towards like the middle to the last part it got really rough and wavy but that didn't seem to bother me so much as the cold you know i could feel the waves lifting me up lifting me down and i could kind of ride it and paddle down take a breath of the top you know what i mean i could 
time the waves enough. Um, and after I after I kind of watched the the pros race on YouTube a couple of days later, I realized, you know, that they're they're filming the pros as they're swimming. And those boats that are driving are causing a lot of waves and there's concrete sides. So anything's not it's not being absorbed, you know, that wave's coming back. And then the wind, especially when the sun popped up, it, it made it really choppy. So a lot of people struggled. So then as you get closer to the end, there's so many more people being extracted from the water or rescued that now there's even more boats and jet skis moving around that the water's rough. I mean, it, it got rough, rough, rough. Um, but again, that didn't bother me. The cold bothered me. And so then finally, as I'm, you know, kind of rounding my corner to come out and I know I'm way behind my, my scheduled pace that I could have done this in. I know, cause I've seen my numbers in training things like that. One thirty should have been around my, where I was. And I think I was closer to two hours. I'd have to look to make sure. Um, but it's just one of those things. You're just so happy to be out of that water. And, and I noticed that. When I was swimming, it felt like I was hitting someone's leg with my hand as I reach out my left hand. I felt like I was hitting someone's leg and I would stop and look around because I don't want to like run into anybody. And I realized there's no one around that my fingers were just, I couldn't control them. They were kind of flapping in the water and, and I could not even close my fingers together. Like it was, they were, my hands were froze. I'm normally pretty cold natured anyways, so to throw in that extra mix, um, you know, just being that cold that long, being in the water for over an hour, that cold water, I know I was slipping into hypothermia. Um, and there's really just nothing you could do, but keep moving, you know? And, uh, then when I got, you know, kind of got out and like I said, my, my meditation that morning was about gratitude, right? So immediately as things felt like they were going to get uncomfortable or be ugly, I just would tell myself, I'm just so grateful to be right here, right now. Like there was a guy back there behind me who had no sleeves on his wetsuit. He was struggling from the start. He's probably not still here. I'm grateful that I'm still here and I'm still able to do this. I know so many people who have passed away. I know so many people who physically couldn't be there or do it. And I was so glad that I was right. So by going back into that gratitude, well, and just, it was full, you know what I mean? I, I could just pull, um, I get emotional, ah. but it was, uh, it was one of those things. I, it, it was cold, but it wasn't like, I, I felt like I was going to die. I could, I could rise above it mentally. Um, whew. anyway, um, but I would try to just focus on like five, 10 minutes at a time. And then I knew, you know, like I know being in that water that long and then coming out, it's hard to move my lower extremities. I'm wearing booties on my feet. Like my legs actually weren't that cold. And so I was, you know, as I'm coming up, I'm starting now think, think of the next couple of minutes ahead, not 10 miles down the road, you know? And I started thinking, all right, I'm going to, I think I might leave my wetsuit on to be warmer to get over to transition. It's about a half a mile walk or run to the transition, the changing tent. And I was like, I'm just going to leave it on because it's cold. I'm cold. I don't have a shirt on. And I get up there to where the wetsuit peelers are and they're all excited. And I haven't fully committed that they're going to take off my wetsuit. Someone says my name, like cheer me on. He needs, they're helping one of the, the peelers. I don't know who it was because I could not see without my glasses on. He's a blur, right? I wasn't sure who he was. I think Hispanic. I'm not sure. I had earplugs in. I'm trying to take stuff out. Anyway, they started peeling me and I just let them do it. So now I'm carrying my wetsuit and now I'm cold because the air is very cold. The air is colder than whatever the water was, but it's cold. So I, I try to run. Feet are numb now because the, the ground is, is so... Uh, cold anyway i get my bag and then so the changing tent is called naked city right and it's called naked city because you're allowed to get fully naked in there take off your wet clothes put on dry clothes like you can fully do a wardrobe change completely and this was a good size tent and and i remember they said warm changing tent it was just a tent there wasn't anything warm about it um, but I remember looking around that tent 
And it's been a while since I've been to a changing tent and it was still full of people and people still coming in. So I wasn't in the very back of the swim pack like I, I've been in the past. And so I felt good about that. And these people, I'm looking at their faces and they look like they were, they're ready to quit. I mean, it was just, it was ugly. And uh, I said it loud enough so the whole room could hear me, but I leaned over this one guy and I said, is this the women's tent? Or was the water that cold? And everybody laughed and yeah, it was cold. And so I, you know, I have my bag. So you have your bag that you pre-pack. It's my bike shorts, my shirts, my jacket, everything I need to stay warm on the bike, and new gloves, everything's good, right? And I get my bag and it had come apart that morning, I think, or that day before it come apart. So I put a piece of the tape around it to make sure it stays closed. I could not get my fingers to grab that tape. Um, and so it was like, this is just gotten more difficult than it needed to be. And I can't just rip it open because all my wetsuit and swim stuff have to go back in that bag and they get taken to my bike. So I had to delicately try to rip a small hole just to get stuff out and get stuff in and then be able to close it kind of. And so that's what I did. And I just kind of took my time. I was in there. It says, my transition time was like 20 minutes, but part of that was that half mile walk. So that's at least, you know, five minutes moving, if not more. Um, but then, uh, and that's counting getting out to the, the mount line. So I was probably not in the tent more than 15 minutes would be my guess, but it was long enough that, you know, just getting dry clothes on, being able to dry off and, you know, be bundled up. I had, you know, an undershirt on and then a bike jersey, arm warmers, a toe covers on my shoes, nice full fingered gloves, and then uh, a vest over my jersey. And then I had, you know, I always have like a do-rag on my head and then my helmet just because I don't want to get sunburned through my helmet. Um, but I didn't even put on sunscreen. Really, the only exposed part of my body going out was my face and my calves like below my like from my knees to my shoes that was the, that was the only exposed skin um but i didn't you know i didn't feel cold going out i mean adrenaline is is up and that'll warm you up but i didn't really feel cold and you know i get changed i get headed out um and it's just you're just glad to be out of that water and be out of the tent and be on the bike moving and there were a lot of bikes left in transition i mean this race had close to three thousand people in it and so it was, it was a big race. A lot of, a lot of people had, you know, still either changing or still in the water because they, they could have started way behind me and then had the same issues, you know? Um, so you have two hours and 20 minutes to finish the swim, but then you don't have very much time in transition. You got to be out pretty quick. I want to say it's like 10 minutes or so that you got to be out, but you know, so some people probably didn't make that cutoff, but, um, I, I, and so once I got on the bike, I, you know, I've got all kinds of my food, which I've, I've gone to a new nutrition system. I started using precision fuel and precision hydration. So I had two bottles behind my seat, um, that had water and the hydration tabs, which is sodium, 500 milligrams of sodium, each bottle. I've got a bottle in my frame down below that it was also water and one tablet in there. So I had 1500 milligrams of sodium with me on my bike. And technically that should have been plenty because it wasn't hot. Like the high was going to be seventies, but we started that bike. It was, it was 50 ish. It was, you know, fifties, but the wind was, was pretty crazy. Um, and I remember, uh, you know, like Karen asked if I was, if I knew my numbers and things like that, meaning, if I knew what number I had to stay below, like with my power meter, I need to stay below a certain number or else I'm going to not be able to run or move after the bike. Right. Like it's that kind of, you got to stay in control. And so I was like, I'm just going to do the best I can without overdoing it. And when I got out to the main highway, it was, it was, I mean, it felt windy and I thought this is really windy. And I had to dial it back. Like, I didn't realize it was that windy. It wasn't that windy in town when we got our bikes. So that was a, a good shift, but it was just more work. You know, you just got to work. 
but it it you know so because of my issues in the past i've always had these weird stomach things that come up and so what i did and i i tried it a couple times before and it seemed to work so with this race and i know i can take like one dose every four hours so once i got on the bike as soon as i kind of got everything situated and going forward i kind of just reach in my little food bin and i take out some uh gas x take the gas x and i normally you know i i i've got my nutrition dialed in to where i'm going to take in 310 calories every hour okay so once i get on the bike I have another, so I've got my Garmin that I wear in my arm that that measures everything I'm doing. But then I've got another extra watch on my bike that is set up already on timer intervals. And the timers on the Timex can be set to where it'll count down and then it beeps and restarts itself. So because it wasn't hot, I had this watch set up for every 20 minutes. It would go off, restart, and go again. So 20 minutes times three is one hour. So I, when I started, I hit start on my watch. So when that watch beeped, I was going to take my first dose of my gel, my fuel product. And I was just going to take a swig of that every 20 minutes. Meaning the third one, that gel pack needed to be gone. The gel pack was 310 calories. So I had three of those for the first three hours of the bike in my special needs bag i had more of those to get me the last part of the bike okay um and so then i had and i always carry like a little baggie is i'll have chapstick it'll have mints it'll have a leaf just you name it all kinds of you know random things i might need at some point in the race and i used to have that in my pocket um but anyway i started off in the race my timer's going and the first water stops very quick and i normally would drink the bottles I have, throw them, take a new bottle from them. But the pavement seemed to be so rough. And I thought, I don't feel good about trusting their bottle will stay in. And it's too early in the day. Like I haven't gone five miles yet. And so what I did was I needed water because I just went two hours with no water. I basically took a bottle on hand up and I just started slamming it while I'm riding and I got in close to 20 ounces in just a matter of seconds threw the bottle down at the end of the station and kept going I was like okay this might work because I've got my other bottles I can drink if I'm thirsty take a bottle every 10 miles maybe two and pound that water chasing my electrolyte got gels like that should work for me um I was able to do that most of the race like without stopping and and I think it saved me a ton of time, but also didn't lose any bottles. So I came back with the exact same bottles I left with, which is rare in races like that. So I was super excited that the plan I had put together was actually working. Um, and it was just, you know, you just kind of have to get through it and work it. You know, that wind was, was pretty brutal. I think it took a lot of people by surprise. Um, and I did notice like the roads that going out, we had a headwind and rough road. So I noticed my glasses were vibrating down. I noticed at some point my bars were like making a noise. They were actually getting loose. And then my seat was moving a little bit. So I had things vibrating loose um, kind of all at once. And so what I did do once I got through my you know, once I got to the special needs, like you take that bag, you take the stuff you want out of the bag and you give the empty back or give your stuff back, whatever you don't want. You don't get that stuff anymore. I replenished all my food, replenished my, my other little goodie bag. And I, um, kind of topped off what I could. They're not really an aid station, but there was, um, you know, the next water stop I did stop, got water in my other bottles, but there was a mechanic there and he was able to tighten up my bike. We just kind of guessed on my seat height, but I think that, uh, you, it definitely shifted a little bit and it wasn't really marked. So I wasn't sure where to go back to. And that would be something that would haunt me much later on. But, um, you know, as the day got on, the wind should be lessening and lessening. 
and this is a three loop bike. So you got 37 miles, um, basically 18 miles out and back, right? That is your, your bike course in, uh, 18 point something. But once you got to the turn and started heading back, you, you were able to go over 20 miles an hour. Like it was a fast kind of a downish hill. Um, this, this course has a lot of deceptive flats, which mean they're really inclines or hills and it's 2000 feet elevation change, you know, that you're, you're going up. Um, and so that's kind of a, a surprise when you look at it, it looks flat, but, um, you know, as the wind got better, the race just got faster and faster. And I noticed this is how I knew the wind was better because if there's no wind and you're doing 15 miles an hour, you have a 15 headwind, right? So you want a little bit of a wind to kind of push you, but if you're going faster than the wind, you're always going to feel it. So I was ready to feel it, but I wasn't ready to feel it and then work extra hard, you know, but I noticed either the first, second, maybe every loop that I saw these there were different areas, two big, they're like whitish gray wolves, dead, laying in the center median. They'd been hit by a car. And my first thought was, wow, that had to happen this morning. And I thought, those are big wolves. Like, they're not little. I was like, it had to happen this morning because I don't smell. It. Then that third loop, I started to smell it. And I was like, oh, the wind is now dissipated enough that it's, it's not, it's not getting rid of the smell. Like the smell is here. We're riding through it now. And so the, as the wind lessened, I was like, okay, that's smelling them is a good thing. Cause now I can go a little bit faster without burning up. Um, and so I, I, I did, I just kept cranking it up. Um, uh, that third loop, you know, going out, Karen yelled something to me and I didn't understand. She said, you can't stop or you got to go faster. I, I didn't know what she meant, but um, anytime someone says something other than good job, you kind of go into panic mode thinking, oh, shit, am I behind schedule? Like, it's too hard to flip through your watch and figure out the time. I mean, you're you're constantly doing math, but um, I just felt good, you know, the whole time other than the the wind and the, the bike adjustments. But it was one of those things. um. I just felt good the whole day. And that was the thing. I was never going to go to a mental dark place like I've done in the past. Um, but, you know, as you're coming on the bike, you start thinking, OK, 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 what's next? What's next? How do I do this? How do I get from this to this as fast as I can? Because I've already wasted too much time. And my nutrition ran out with exactly five miles to go. So it was perfect. Like I had everything dialed in perfectly. And the thing is, even if you get off your bike and stop for a little bit, my nutrition clock is still going. So I have to go by that, not go by my time that I'm moving. <clears throat> and so I stayed on top of it. it. That that worked perfectly. Hydration worked perfectly. Like it just was dialed in perfect. And I couldn't be happier that all that came together. And it was one of those things that that last stretch, you, we had three or four miles to go. And there's fencing over here, protecting us from the riders on the other side. There's cones and stuff, protecting us from the cars. And in front of me up ahead are three people. And they're kind of in a group. They're, they're what I would consider too tight. But at this point in the race, they don't care about drafting. Like none of us are, are in the position to win anything or gain advantage, right? from a draft because it is illegal. Um, and, and this girl directly in front of me hits a sign with either her face or shoulder and she goes down. Well, the guy and the other girl that were kind of behind her ish, this guy swerves over and he hits the fence far over to the left. He's down. The girl behind him hits him. She's down. They're all on the ground writhing. And one, the girl that hit the signs screaming, the girl, other girl says, are you okay? She says, no. So she's hurt. There's nothing I can do. And I hear all these people running over to help them. So I just keep going. And I'm like, all right, got to be careful because you know, you're tired physically, mentally. And this is where stupid things can happen. I mean, those three people, one of them I know didn't get back up and finish. Um, I don't know about the other two, you know, like, I don't know at what point if they did. Um, 
And it's just one of those things. There's, there's nothing you can do. It won't hurt me by stopping and trying to render aid, you know, but I come in and it's like, as you get closer, you hear the crowd, you hear the noise, adrenaline, you know, is, is back up again. You're excited again to be around, um, civilization and, you know, it's just, it's just, there's just so many surreal moments with the sport when you're in that position of testing yourself to see what you're really made of. And this was that day, you know, and as I got in, I, I knew I made that cutoff. Like the other cutoffs, I, I weren't sure what they were other than I need to be at like the 13 mile mark at like nine 30 or nine o'clock. I had these other little marks I had to make, but I made the bike cutoff, you know? So I was very happy about that. Get my bag. They take your bike. I'm so happy to have someone take this bike away from me. It was a great friend of mine for several hours and now is ready to part ways, you know, but, uh, get my run bag, go into the tent and the tent's just as full, but these people are even more beat down than the first group that was in there. And these people don't look like they're continuing on. Like they look like they are just beat to shit. Meanwhile, I'm bebopping. I'm changing. I'm, I do a full wardrobe change again. I put on running shorts. I put on a run shirt, a hat. Like I am like, just glad to start this. And, and I get uh, everything situated, get my food where it needs to be. And now for the, the run, it is more, um, go by feel. I know I'm not going to run very fast for very long. And I'm going to do what I can initially and then get through the rest as I need to play games with myself, whatever. But my only plan was to try to take in about 200 calories per hour. Um, but if I miss that, that's okay because my body's just using whatever's still in there or I'm going to burn muscles, fuel. Like, you know, I, I understand this part of it, but also understand I can just take little bit of dose of something and be right back up where I was as far as food goes, you know? And so I'm starting off, I'm situated, I'm running, like I'm, I'm not feeling bad. I'm not cold. Um, I'm, I'm feeling just fine. And, and I just like, all right, this is, let's just get to this one mile, you know, like forget about 26 miles. I have 26 one mile runs to do. That's it. And, you know, it's like you just become so grateful of everything, of every volunteer, of the whole experience. But then in the past, I would let my ego get to me and I would worry about what people thought of me as far as watching my results online and, you know, they're judging me. And, you know, what I mean, I was so worried about what people thought of me that way. And now I've kind of come to this, this conclusion in my life where I'm like, well, it's none of my business what people think about me. But I now started to think about all these people that were tracking me, trying to stay up with me, throwing different time changes. It was just like inspiring, you know? It's easy to go out there and suffer. It's hard for people to go to a race in Sherpa with you. It's hard for people to sit at home and watch me for 17 hours. That is the hard part. And I think uh, that really helped inspire me the most. Um, but I got changed. And I mean, I was out of there in like eight minutes and I was focused. I was focused on moving forward. And as long as I made those other two cutoffs, you know what I mean? That this was going to be a great day. It was already a great day in spite of the cold swim. But um, I, uh, yeah, I just started moving and then all of a sudden I needed to walk and I would just pick moments. And, and I remember there were um, one of the first water stops or aid stations, you know, they would have food like cups of pretzels, cups of chips. And it's like chips. I need chips. You know what I mean? Like you just, there's things you just need. And at some point, if you're not, you know. The saying is, if you're not buying what they're selling, you're going to be in trouble, right? And so I was just drinking water, maybe Gatorade. You know what I mean? I was kind of switching it up. And 
and it was it was working you know like i was just kind of working it and then uh I think I noticed about mile five or six that my watch was getting really low. It was getting dangerously low. And, uh, you know, it's a two loop run. So you got to go out and you come back the same area you started and then go back out again. And, you know, I, I just, I needed nothing. I felt good. And in my special needs for the run, I just had some more gels and food stuff. I had another little baggie with like high drops, a leave, you know, all that stuff I had in the other ones that was there for me. Chapstick, which I, I use more chapstick on the run than anything. I use it on the bike too, but, um, it was also, you know, I had a long sleeve shirt that I could take out of that bag and put it on. The first part of the run didn't feel cold at all. Like it almost felt nice and warm. I think I'd started to sweat a little bit but i mean i i i don't even sweat very much like i stay pretty cool but i put that that shirt on it was very nice to have a warm shirt on um but it was i was having to you know at that point pick moments that i was going to run and you know remember when i said my my seat had dropped a little bit well i was having this weird pain from my hamstring my left leg and it was just getting tighter and tighter and tighter hindsight. It could have probably sat down and tried to stretch it maybe, but it's also like, you don't want to get down and can't get back up. Cause that's always a danger. But, um, I, um, I was playing games where I would walk one space of a light pole. So I tell myself walk one run three. So I'd walk to the second light pole, then run to the fourth. Walk one, run three. And I was doing that. I was doing that consistently. And that was seemed to be okay, keeping me on track. And then it was like, there wouldn't be one. Like, no no more light poles. I'm like, all right, I got to pick something else. So, I mean, you're always playing games. It's dark. So, you're, you're, you're in an area. You don't really know what's over there because it's dark, you know. And so, you just kind of have to stay within your head and play games of just moving forward. And, you know, things... um my legs, my legs were hurting. My neck was tight, and but it was nothing that was to me that bad, you know. And uh, so I get back to you know, especially he's get my stuff, and and Karen meets me there, and she's going to. I think she was gonna. I don't know how we decided this, but I needed her watch because mine was about to go dead. I gave her my watch. She gives me her watch. I just need to know the time. I need to know the time to make sure I'm going to make a cutoff. I'm doing everything I can, but I guess I want to be prepared for that moment if they decide I'm I'm done. And so I, um, yeah, I get her watch. And I put it on. And I'm standing there and my heart drops to like 37 or something and 39. I don't know. And so I realized you're looking back. Well, I'm not even going to say that, but I was going to go out one mile, come back a mile. That's two. Then she was going to go walk the 11 with me or walk run. My run was not really a run at this point. And I realized that when I decided I was going to run a little bit and she's still walking the same pace as my walk pace as my run pace. I'm like, well, I'm just, it hurts. And if I'm going to try to run at the end, I need to save something because I don't have much now. And so I was pretty much just forced to walking as fast as I could. And you can do that, you know, when you absolutely have to. But it was it was getting close to the wire. And, you know, all you can use is the tracker to guesstimate when you're going to finish because it's a guessing game, you know. And there were parts of that second loop of that run where I was a little disoriented that I thought I was someplace and I wasn't. And had she not been there, I might've gotten really confused and lost because my brain was starting to kind of go away and it was getting cooler and cooler. But I also noticed if I stopped to go to the bathroom or something, when I stopped just for a couple seconds, standing still, I was starting to get lightheaded and I'm like, okay, all the blood's going to my legs. I got to keep moving. And I think it was more than that. I think it was actually, I was going hypothermic again. Like it was just almost too cold for me. And so and I think especially coming off being that cold in the morning, it's just, it takes a while for your body to kind of re-regulate back up. 
Um, but that, you know, that run was dark and desolate. There's still a ton of people behind me. Um, but it was like, that's when you really get to experience kind of what you're made of, you know, like there's so many people that in those moments just sit down and cry or they quit or they just don't keep going forward. And, you know, it's like, I didn't realize it, but it was like that next day on Monday was when I'd had back surgery because I'd broke my back 10 years before I'd had back surgery that Monday. So that Monday I was recovering from back surgery, recovering from an Ironman eight years apart, but I probably still felt just as uncomfortable, you know, probably moving just as well for either. Um, but yeah, we, um, you know, then we, we, we get to the finish line and I know I'm over time. I know it doesn't count and I don't care. And I said, you know, someone they're, they're, they're putting things away and the shoot's still kind of up and it goes to the finish line. And, and I asked them, I was like, you want me to go through or just go to my car? They're like, no, no, go through. So I went through and it was like, just as I was about to step over, just, I stepped over the timing mat they pulled the mat. So it was like things were being shut down and unplugged as I did it. Like they're waiting for me to turn the lights off. And so that was also a very, very cool experience knowing that everyone's gone. And this is not about everyone. This is about me and my journey. You know, I, I to me, that felt better than having thousands of people there cheering me in, you know? Um, because everybody I needed with me were in me, you know, like my friends that have passed, my parents, like everything was within me to keep moving forward. And, you know, it's just been it's just such a great journey back. But they, you know, they gave him a hat, a shirt, finishers medal. And I said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, take it. I mean, I did the distance. Um, I've never worked harder or felt like I deserved a shirt, a hat, or a medal more. And I think that's where, like, I'm just so satisfied with the whole race, with everything that went into it, with everything that it that developed throughout. Like, it was just perfect. Um, and, you know, when we got back to the car... I mean, I'm very out of it. If I stop, I just start shivering and I can't stop. But I started to get lightheaded there by the car. I was like, I got to sit down. Like, I'm I'm going to pass out. And then when we got back to the hotel, I'm okay in the car. And when I got back to the hotel, as soon as I got outside, trying to get everything out, I got lightheaded and I was, I was passed out in the parking lot. Like, I just had to lay down and just close my eyes for a second. And so I know that was hypothermia kind of shutting me down. Um, and then it was, it was probably a good next day before I was really warm again. And then, uh, I did pass out again in the shower once I got up there and it was just like, I can only just lay here in the bottom of the shower. But as I'm going down, my thought is I'm going to take this bar of soap, lay it on the bottom of the, just throw in the bottom of the shower. And I'm just going to lay on top of the soap and hopefully when I wake up, it'll be here and I can just take a shower laying in the bottom of a shower, you know, but, um, I, I wasn't, I, I like whenever you're and at that point, I'd been up 24 hours, you know, so being up, being solid food deprived, you know, all you want to do is eat, lay down, not move. I mean, I slept in full on long sleeve pants and shirt. Like I was so cold all night. And, uh, you know, it took me, took me a couple of days to bounce back from that, but I did, you know, and then it was, uh, you know, the next day is all about just packing up, getting out of there within a decent time, you know, we get a late checkout, but then it's just trying to get out of there in a decent position. And I, and I really thought 
I'd be able to drive a little bit or help drive, but my leg hurt so bad. My neck was, you know, kind of cramping up. Like I was, I was sore. I was a little beat up and, and, you know, the hardest part is sitting there driving, holding on that wheel for so long can just make everything worse. And so it was like, we just went from, and, you know, coming back, I was like, we're going to drive four or five hours to Las Cruces. El Paso's like six. Like, why are we not staying in El Paso? You know, like it, it kind of makes no sense. Years ago, someone I rode with said, oh, it's too dangerous to stay in El Paso. We'll go to Las Cruces. I'm like, yeah, but I don't think it is dangerous in El Paso anymore. In the last 20 years, it probably hasn't been. And uh, come to find out that El Paso has like the lowest murder rate in the whole country, the state. Like, it's crazy. So anyway, we stayed in El Paso coming back, which was better because then the next day we only had eight hours. But it was even very hard for me to drive. So I, I wasn't able to drive at all coming back. Karen got to drive the whole way. First day was horrible because she sang the whole time. I digress. But um, yeah, I mean, found these incredible um, herbal stuff that you, you drink this and it makes you kind of like taking a Xanax and it has CBD in it so you can be pain free and it was kind of amazing because I was actually able to be semi-comfortable sitting in a vehicle for a few hours. Of course, you get up, you, you've gotten stiffer again. But, you know, I was more concerned at that point of just making sure I wore compression gear because I don't want blood clots. I know so many people that have gotten blood clots from doing a race and jumping in a car for several hours. So I was more concerned about that. But it was just like, you know, I couldn't believe that my results still showed a finisher official finisher but i was over time and then i was like oh the next day they'll they'll catch it they'll revoke it whatever and it's still it's still showing as standing so it's kind of a weird fluke that it even still exists but i'm also they can they can make it a dnf at any time like i get it i i know i've done it i mean you know so i uh you know i've got another race in about four months and someone asked me what am i going to do differently getting ready for this race i was like nothing like to me training was perfect for this race had the water not been cold and my bike not started to you know shift a little bit i probably would have been just fine so i'm gonna get a bike fit and i'm just gonna you know start training again in the next week or so next i guess december i'll be right back at it but i think it's one of those things you just can't I don't know. You can't second guess what you've done. If you've done something wrong, just admit it, let it go. You know, like I, I, to me, it was the perfect race. I mean, I couldn't believe how perfect things went for me. I couldn't believe how I've kind of figured out the perfect formula for me for racing. And I'm like, if I just do, this is where a lot of athletes don't understand. I was talking to my coach today about this and that with the result I had, so many people want to now do something different because they don't want that again. But they don't understand that if I just took the exact same training program I just did, do it again, then I'm going to actually have a better result because a two-hour ride is going to be, I'm going to go faster and further because I'm in better shape still. I didn't get injured. You know what I mean? Like I'm mentally still excited to train. Um, normally after a big race like that, you take off about two weeks just to let your body kind of recover and reset. And I've had all kinds of weird aches and pains pop up and I'm like, you know, it's just part of it, but I'm, uh, I'm excited to next week, kick it off again, you know? So yeah, I, uh, onward and upward. Right. And I'm, and I'm going back to the woodlands. I'm doing the race that I said I'd never do again. And you know, it's like that the bike course can be windy. But it's also due for a good day, you know, and I'm bringing such incredible energy to every race I go to now that I feel like I have enough of a high vibration that I can change whatever environment the tri gods throw at me. Well, if you made it through this whole thing, I appreciate it. Um, and again, I understand. I mean, I, I, I posted a picture Facebook and Instagram. And I did get a couple comments that were, I'd be, you could be considered negative, but, um, it's one of those things. 
I don't care. Like I understand. I was over the agreed upon time limit, right? But I don't care, you know? So it worked. It worked. I loved it. And uh, I'm looking for better results in the woodlands, you know? Sure, I just want a great day. And I know a great day is going to show several hours faster. Like, I just know it. I believe my coach. I believe in the program. I believe in my friends. Like, I just believe in everything in my life that I'm, that I'm currently at. So, there you go, guys. I can, uh, I might put in comments like the, the link to the the fuel I used because I you really can't find it anywhere. I found it on Amazon or from the company directly. It's quite incredible, this stuff. Uh, I mean, I found it accidentally, but it's one of those things. It worked for me and I couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, if you guys have any recommendations on how to make my watch last the whole race, please let me know. Um, all right, I think that's it. I think I've covered my whole race. That's my first video slash podcast race report. And like I said, if you are on YouTube, please hit subscribe, like, share. And if you're listening, you can share that too, you know. All right, y'all. Don't be afraid to go for big dreams and goals. Life's too short not to. And if I can help you guys in any way, please let me know. Bye.